Gabrielle from Take a Break Radio. Sherman here, the crazy Asian. What a fantastic question. I'm going to give you three answers. I thought a little bit about it. Uh, Number one is I moved a lot growing up. Number two is I was a single father of three at the age of 31. And three is that I'm back in the building mode. So one of them I'm actually going through right now. So let me talk about the moving so much. So my dad's oil business, um, in, in the oil industry, excuse me, um, and back in the 90s, early 2000s, kind of the attitude was, if you're willing and able, we'll move you to various opportunities throughout the, throughout the organization. And so we started in California, uh, lived in Chicago. California was like for six years in like the LA area, and then it was Chicago for a few years, then Cleveland, Ohio for a couple years, and then it was England, um, kind of near, it's Utoxeter, kind of middle um, of, of England there, and went to, went to a private British school my freshman and sophomore year of high school, and then my brother and I actually boarded school about four hours south in London, and, um, and then came back to Ohio for my senior year, so I went to three high schools growing up, and then went out to, to BYU in Utah for college, deferred for two years, served a Christian mission in the Philippines, and then, and, and I think lived in six different cities when I was there, and then came back, graduated from um, college in Utah, and then about a year later, moved to Wisconsin for job opportunity, and, and then after about uh, 11 years down in the Milwaukee area, I moved up to the center part of the state. So even though it was, Wisconsin's the longest place I lived my entire life just because as a kid, we just moved a lot. And so that was difficult. Um, when I was younger, I remember that it was, you know, you, you cared about your friends and you, you had some good relationships. And so it was tough to walk away from all those friendships. And it's, and when you get to a new place, you're new, you don't know anybody. And so always that first day of school, being the new kid, um, there, there was a lot of just, in, not anxiety to the point that I couldn't do something, but just a lot of nervousness. You know, your, your typical back to, uh, back to school year, it was like, oh man, uh, I hope, uh, hope I meet someone. Um, how am I gonna navigate this cafeteria? <laughs> cafeteria is just like a loaded place of getting to know people. And, and so what happened though, for me is over time, I learned to just embrace it. So by the time I got to high school, I just was somewhat used to it, especially once I became a junior. Um, and, and then I just went all in on just being focused on other people. I realized that if I focused only on myself and if I didn't have friends or you know how, how I was adjusting, if I was self-centered, then I actually didn't make friends. But when I was focused on other people and hey, hey, come sit over here next to me. Hey, are you new? Do you wanna do you wanna do you wanna you know you wanna study? That attitude of inviting others to me and getting to know them actually allowed me to make a lot of friends and be pretty well known. So um, that's really where I ended up learning a lot about myself, the the perseverance of those tough times. A lot of times when I was I remember uh, 16 years old, it was probably the, I'm a pretty impatient person, so it was probably that first week, 
I remember just being absolutely frustrated uh, to tears that I like had no friends. It didn't help that over the summer I, I was in a pretty bad bi- bicycle accident where I uh, ended up shattering five teeth and ripping off half of my face. Um, and uh, <laughs> so that's a story for a different time. And But because I looked so weird, literally you could... One half of my face was normal looking. The other half of my face was this, all this new skin, real pink. And um, it was just really, I just, I felt really weird. And then add on top of it, I, I was living at a school. Um, this was when I was a junior in high school. Um, that was away from folks and, you know, just new surroundings. And I didn't have a roommate. And it was just a really weird time. And I remember that was the impression um, that I got after praying was, just focus on other people and what they need and stop worrying about yourself. Best advice, best prompting ever. Sherm's out. Gabriel, Take a Break Radio. Here is installment number two of three of my biggest obstacles where I, it just was difficult. So at 31, um, I became a single dad, full custody over uh, an emplacement. That's what I wish to describe it, of three young sons. At the time, they were five and a half, three and a half, and six months. And so I have a saint of a mom who came um, after a few months and lived with me for about five months and helped me transition. I, I At the same time that separated, I actually um, started a new an, at a new company as well. And we'll get to that in, a, in, in the next in the next installment. And so the it was... It, it was tough. I mean, I was lucky, and I and I will say this: I was blessed that I had a good-paying job. I had flexibility with who I worked with. Um, still, still in the entrepreneurial um, arena, and so I, I could I could make my schedule. However, I had some amazing friends uh, during about. I was, I was basically a single father for about six years, and um, I remember like and fiscally. It doesn't matter how much money you make. Um, I was making six figures, and I would spend a month about fifteen hundred bucks, and to uh, a month uh, on childcare, and to juxtapose that to what I was paying in rent at the time was a thousand dollars. So luckily for me, I was able to have have a career, have a full time gig, um, and be able to be there for my my sons. Um, and, and I remember just like by the time I had gotten to work already, for me, I had already had a day. So typically it would, I would, would wake up around 5.30, um, 5 o'clock, somewhere in that time range, and then get the three boys already all fed, and then I would then start the drop-off. So um, two of the boys would go to one daycare, and then the other son would go to a, an early, early school um, drop off, and then I would drive um, through morning traffic to get to to get to to get to work, bust my hump, and then it was very. I had to leave at a specific time. Users around four or four thirty in order to get home to be there, um, or, or I know actually five. Excuse me, five in order to get through all the traffic and pick everybody up. Because if you were late, it was like a buck a minute every moment that you're late per kid. So at that one child place, it was two bucks a minute if I was late. Um, and so it, you know, if I ever wanted to go out, if I ever wanted to have friends, it was, it was always me and three in tow. 
And so it was, it, it was difficult. And, but, but I'd say one of the biggest things that I probably didn't necessarily believe could happen is finding someone that I felt like I could be 100% me and that could help me grow and love me and my boys. And lo and behold, um, in 2014, I met her. And then in 2015, leveraging social media, um, I reached out to her via Facebook. And then we started to, you know, message, Facebook message each other. And, you know, a couple hours turned into four, four hours turned into eight, eight hours turned into basically all day. Any, any extra moment that we had, we were communicating with each other. And then after a, a couple weeks, we decided, let's get on a Skype phone call. Um, and we did that for about a week. And then we said, hey, let's do a video and see if this, you know, kind of makes sense. Let's check each other out some more. And, um, and then, and then we, we rolled the dice took that leap of faith she flew out from the Marshall Islands 24-hour flight Marshall Island to Hawaii Hawaii to San Francisco San Francisco to Minneapolis I drove three hours to meet her at the airport um, I had a bouquet of flowers we spent a week together we totally got along and then um, that week together she went and then, and then she flew back home we communicated some more and then she um, decided to move out here all the way from the Marshall Islands, tropical island, to the frozen tundra of Wisconsin. And six months later, we were married. So I found the perfect person, an absolute muse, someone that I admire and tr truly am devoted to. Um, there is not a better partner for me who loves me and supports me and is has a, a, almost a lot of the qualities I always wanted in a partner. And so it's amazing for me in the, in the thick of it. Um, and, and so I should describe my, my ex-wife. Um, I was living in Wisconsin for those familiar with the United States geography. And she had, um, after we'd gotten you know, separated about six months later, she was um, married and then and, and moved to, so we separated, she moved all the way up to California. And then when, um, then she met, met a guy and they got married and then um, li living in North Carolina. So for those that are unfamiliar, Wisconsin to North Carolina, if you took a car drive, would take you about, I think it's about 14 hours of drive time uh, directly. So it was very far away. And so for me, uh, the boys are with me during the school year and then they go to uh, my ex-wives or their moms for about seven weeks to eight weeks in the summertime and then we alternate christmases and spring breaks it's a little bit cumbersome but that was what we you know what what was what was the strategy and so um it wasn't like i i had you know this you know sharing of um of parenting and so for for me when i after you know uh you know I'll be very transparent here. I, you know, I'd saved myself for that first marriage. I, you know, I hadn't had sex as a teen or even my twenties. And so I went into that first marriage with a lot of, you know, hopes and aspirations that this person would be devoted to me. Um, and, and, and vice versa, I'd be devoted to them. And lo and behold, six months later, we just couldn't stand each other and happy and we're totally apathetic towards each other's lives. 
And so for me, there was a, a, a little bit of this attitude that I, I just, maybe, not maybe, but I just don't know if I'll ever find someone that, because now I'm, now I'm, now I'm a little more complicated, right? When you're single, it's a, it's an easier sell. It's just you and your baggage. Now um, it's me, my baggage, plus I got the D in divorce, and I also have these three young boys, and so that can be very difficult for someone that has never been married before, or that can be difficult for someone and me if if let's say they've been married before and they have kids, and so it, it looked like the pursuit or the opportunity would just never arise where it'd make a lot of sense. And so um, that's where for me, that was the difficult part in that obstacle. And not only was it difficult being a single parent, but it was just difficult from the emotional perspective and the mental perspective of, I just don't think it'll ever go that route. And so that's kind of where my mind was at for um, a good chunk of it. So that would be two of three. Sherm's out. Okay, so the third obstacle, Gabriel, at Take a Break Radio, Sherm the Crazy Asian, is the career that I've chosen. So when I first got in back in 2005, I knew that it would take five years to build a client base. And so during that time you're having a ton of meetings you're making a bunch of phone calls you're meeting with a ton of people and some will some won't and you just keep moving on um, on top of that you don't know anything about the industry I, I completely when i graduated from college i was working at um, a retail store as an assistant manager and then they moved into a buying office and a corporate office and that moving to wisconsin and then a year and a half living in a new state, I decided to get into a business that's primarily done, built on um, making sales into um, your own network. And so for me, referrals became a big thing. Um, I had no problems cold calling. Whatever had to be done, had to be done in order for me to survive. And so it, it was a sales gig. Um, it was 2005. Um, had had great success right out of the gate. Within six months, I was already in a training position due to my experience in the past where I'd um, had some leadership skills and then <clears throat> and on an opportunities to lead, lead, lead a team. And then um, I found myself in the thick of it in 2008, 2009. Unfortunately, I didn't have the depth of clientele that other people had. And so that was extremely brutal as um, you know, one of my best clients went from having 26 employees to shutting the business completely down. Um, and, and obviously the, 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 you know, the assets that we were, we were working with, the, the, the business that I was in, um, it was difficult. It was, you know, it was tough getting by. And then um, at, after five years in, yeah, I had some good success, had some good relationships. And I found myself gravitating more towards the training and developing side and wanted to get into leadership, but I wouldn't do it at the firm that I was at just because I didn't, I didn't agree with the way that they did their, did their model. 
of uh, training and development and recruiting. And so I ended up uh, moving over to a different company and um, had a great time there. Um, they ended up merging with another firm and so all of a sudden our footprint doubled and then I saw the opportunity from a managerial perspective to take over the northern half of the state and that's what moved me in 2014 into a completely different market. So I moved three hours north and I covered half of the entire state of Wisconsin and the upper peninsula of Michigan. We call it the UP, uh, for we abbreviate it. And so I was, I was driving three to 4,000 miles a month. Again, I was still single dad. And um, it was, um, I had a lot of, and, and luckily I live in an amazing community. Within the first two weeks, I had like six, I think, people that were like, hey, if you need any help, just let me know. And so I had just an um, amazing support staff and I had amazing, an amazing team and um, really liked moving up here. And so it was, you know, it, it was tough though, bouncing out, like, you know, leaving at five in the morning sometimes and coming home late at night or, you know, having my friends sleep over at some people's, people's houses, some friends' houses, the, the babysitter's house. And, you know, of course this would, um, for the babysitter, it would cost money. Um, other times it was, um, you know, if I was out of, out of town for work, that made it more difficult in trying to finagle things and, and, and find people to watch them. And so, um, it, it, it's not as easy as, um, Hey, honey, I'm going to leave, and then you're going to take care of the take care of our children. And so it was it was definitely difficult managing that. Um, however, the team did phenomenally well. We had you know year over year progress, and and um, we were actually 140 percent to to our plan, and I think 120 percent year over year in growth. And then um, um, the company was getting more employee base, and so they're they're kind of coming on me from a um, from a compensation perspective, they wouldn't let me grow. And so I ended up moving myself to a different company, same footprint, um, two less advisors that I was managing. So I was, before I was managing 26, now I was managing 24. And so, um, and then I had, and I was passing exams for, for my leadership role. And then I found myself really looking at the industry as a whole. We had a huge struggle of bringing on talent and keeping that talent. And there was a huge exodus of people retiring. So there's about you know 10,000 people a day turning age 65 in the U.S. And so our industry is extremely aged. So I found that um, the average age in my industry is um, 78% is 57 years old. And so there's a huge exodus. They, they, they anticipate that 20 to 30% of the entire industry will retire. And so, and we can't bring people on quick enough. And so, I mean, you just think about it, even if there's just 10 people in your firm, that means that in, um, if two are going to leave that year, that means you have to bring on at least three. And we just, you just don't have that kind of, um, that kind of recruitment. And so, and just because the way that we do it is, is we, we're do, we do it wrong. That's just my, that's my, that's my thoughts. So, um, what happened is you look at my career, first five years, I built a practice, had clients, and then over the next eight, because I was focused on more the recruiting, development, teaming, um, working with advisors um, in my role, I ended up going, um, giving away all my clients so they can be properly served by an advisor since I wasn't there. I mean, even my own parents, their finances are being managed by somebody else. Um, somebody that I brought on. And so now, at as I looked at where the, the market was going, I saw my role slowly dwindling away to non-existence because if you can't bring on talent and you need 
and, and you have an exodus of talent, then you need those that are already in the business to take over and help more clients and help more of this business succession. And so here I found, here, there, here I found myself in 2017 back in building a practice all over again. And so it, I'm in the thick of it still in building out the practice all over again. You want to get to basically, uh, you kind of, we, we, we kind of say you almost become somewhat bulletproof when you have a thousand individual clients. It's a little bit different when you bring on businesses just because um, they're, they, they have a lot of employees, but it depends on how strong those relationships are with each of those employees. And so um, for, for me, it's, it's a matter of, um, it's a strategy of people. It's a, it's a face-to-face, belly-to-belly people business. However, where I see the business shifting, number one, with technology, is that clients aren't going to care how they end up doing business with me. Some will still appreciate the face-to-face, belly-to-belly, but a lot of clients are going to start getting used to doing business via Skype, via webinars. Um, they don't mind engaging with someone that's not face-to-face. Um, technology allows me to be able to be very in tune with what's going on and Skype makes it more like a real phone call as if we're sitting face to face with each other. And so the, the generations, I'd say X and Yers, so people basically born in the 1970s and, and earlier, so basically if you're 45 and younger, 48 and younger, you're probably used to the change of technology. So for you engaging with someone um, not face to face, you're gonna get very comfortable with. And so the way I see a couple of things, number one is there's really no true entry level into my industry, which, which I, I'm going to create with my firm and um, which we already are doing. And number two is, um, I think there needs to be stronger apprenticeships so people are familiar with the industry that they can see it as a place to be. And there needs to be more of that team aspect of, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have be the one that's driving all these clients and then I need your help. You're gonna bring a specific skill set to the table and that's why you're gonna join the team. And then add on top of it, social media is going to allow us to be able to deal um, across state borders. Can be allow me to be able to have more than a thousand clients. I anticipate that if let's say I'd be at a thousand clients, be very um, full practice. I, I, I'd anticipate it with technology, we'll get somewhere close to almost two thousand per person that's satisfying their needs and, and leveraging some automation tools of communication. And then of course, meetings can happen a lot quicker if I'm Skyping with people or um, you know, there's no travel time, we can really be a lot more strategic with our time. And so I anticipate me being more almost like a dentist where I come in and then basically go from meeting to meeting to meeting. And that might be from phone call to face-to-face, phone call to face-to-face, you know, um, and so I, that's where I see the industry shifting. Um, first, it's going to start with um, building up those connections. Um, it's a very heavy compliance business, so you, you have to be very careful what you say to the public. And so a lot of people are doing it wrong where they're trying to sell stuff. No, it's about building relationships people like and trust you. That's where it's going to shift. So right now, Gabriel, I'm in the mix of all of this. Um, <clears throat> I see the light at the end of the tunnel, but I'm still in the tunnel. Sherm's out.